0: Hounicon. Hounicon.
1: Hounicon. Hanicon. Hounicon. You're listening to Hounicon Podcast, highlighting citizen Podwatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Paige Willett, Nadesh Nakas, Borewadme, and Dow. I'm your host, Paige Willett, CPN Tribal member and employee. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and rate us. This episode focuses on Behavioral Health Awareness Month and the societal stigma of having behavioral health issues. We also meet the only Citizen Potawatomi Nation member serving in the Oklahoma legislature and hear about a study on tribal economic impact in Oklahoma. One of the biggest obstacles when dealing with depression, anxiety, addiction, or many other mental afflictions is stigma. The stigma of seeking help, getting treatment, attending support groups, or openly discussing mental and emotional struggles. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Citizen Potawatomi Nation Communications Coordinator Mary Lever spoke with Tribal Health Services Behavioral Health's Dr. Julio Rojas about ways to overcome that judgment toward others and ourselves.
2: CPN psychologist and licensed alcohol and drug counselor, Dr. Julio Rojas, is an advocate for his patients, even more so when they're dealing with the social stigma of getting help.
3: But I think of stigma is sort of, you know, the way we view a person as less than or um, as unworthy uh, simply because of who they are, a condition they have, or a circumstance in life. So
2: He believes overcoming that outlook is necessary to encourage people to seek treatment for themselves. Patients who seek help for their problems may immediately face judgment or bias, even from the medical community.
3: And they say, well, I've struggled with addiction, and then the provider just immediately pivots with that one word and begins to warn them that they better never try to get pain medicines from them.
2: Often a patient's trust can erode if they experience this type of reaction when they identify as being in recovery or as someone who struggles with alcoholism or addiction. And Rojas said patients who don't trust their provider are less likely to seek treatment for their problems. This can also lead to patients losing hope that there is a solution to the problem, including one that Rojas has always remembered. And I bet he told me, I'm sorry, 25 times. And I said, fellow, what are you
3: sorry for? You know, I'm sorry that I'm taking up your time. I'm sorry that my life is such a, you know. And it's like, if he saw a physician, he'd probably never say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I have diabetes. I'm sorry I have cardiovascular disease. But, you know, he's been told by society, he's been told by maybe even family, that, you know, when you're someone who struggles with drug addiction, you're weak, you're selfish. And uh, unfortunately, before he developed the problem, he probably believed a lot of the things that
2: society had taught him to believe. Fortunately, the patient received help. But for Rojas, it was an example of how stigma hurts a person's self-esteem and ability to speak up for themselves. He said the problem is worse within marginalized communities due to their race, socioeconomic status, or disability. That includes the potential for compounded stigma. For example, if someone is a racial or ethnic minority and a member of the LGBTQ plus community, it creates a heavier burden to health and wellness. and Rojas hopes people push through their doubts about treatment. So when I'm sitting
3: with a person, I know all the obstacles they had to overcome just to sit there at that moment. And for some of them, it's years. It's five, ten years just to sit in that chair. And when I think about it from that perspective, I don't want to miss that opportunity. Like I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about hope, to talk about healing, you know, to talk about possibility.
2: Rojas said since the stakes are often high, affecting every aspect of a person's life, this can be another barrier to seeking help. He remembers patients being denied life insurance, losing their jobs, and forfeiting the opportunity to serve in the military because of mental illness.
3: You have mental illness you may lose custody of your children you may lose your civil liberties simply because you're sick so there is a there is a reason for that trepidation in our history because we as a society do things to folks with mental illness and uh and it's it's
2: usually not helpful rojas said family members or loved ones of someone who needs mental health assistance should first set aside any bias that they may have before starting a conversation he suggests that people talk to someone who's been successful in recovery.
3: I think sometimes we get angry about the behaviors of someone who's using, or we get angry about feeling helpless to convince them or change them. And in that frustration, we, we draw from our uglier side and hurtful side.
2: Rojas also urges people to focus on something other than addiction. A single conversation about something positive could be the catalyst that helps the person seek treatment. I've talked to many parents who have lost their children uh, to addiction. The common regret they
3: have is that for whatever period of time their child was in their disease, that's all they talked about. They didn't Mm -hmm. talk about the goals that person had. They didn't talk about the desires. They didn't talk about the likes. You know, their life became about that one thing. You know, who knows how a conversation about a goal or a dream might turn into the first step towards sobriety.
2: Rojas encourages parents to create open and honest communication about any family history of addiction or substance abuse and take advantage of opportunities to talk with children about mental health, such as when a celebrity or athlete mentions it. He's hopeful people will begin to think about behavioral health the same way they think about a visit to the dentist or their primary care doctor. According to Rojas, many mental health treatment options have shifted away from blaming the person seeking help Instead, an integrated approach is the best way to treat the person by addressing issues that contribute to the patient's risk of using again. Rojas wants to encourage people to push through barriers and reach out for help more than anything.
3: What I would encourage you to do is really resist the messages that our society has communicated to you, probably for your entire life. You're not defective. You're worthy. You can get better there is help. There are people who want to help you. And I would just encourage them to fight through those messages in their head and their own beliefs, uh, because it is a formidable obstacle.
1: Find CPN Behavioral Health Services online at cpn.news bh or by phone at 405-214-5101. Call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-622-HELP. That's 1-800-622-4357. Oklahoma State Representative Mark McBride is currently the only citizen Pottawatomie Nation tribal member elected to state Congress. He represents District 53, which includes most of Moore and part of Norman, both south of Oklahoma City. He also serves as the chairman of the Education Appropriation Committee. We met in his office at the Oklahoma State Capitol to discuss his family history, work in the House of Representatives, and hopes for achievements through the next couple of legislative sessions.
4: I can trace my family lineages all through way back to France because, uh, The French fur traders married the Potawatomi women, and so that's kind of where I go from there. But my family came from, uh, I guess, the Chicago area down to Kansas, and then they came over to around Tribby and had allotments. And then later, my great-grandmother sold those allotments, and they moved to western Oklahoma and bought some land out there. So...
1: Coming back a little bit to your position as a legislator, what made you originally uh, want to run for office?
4: I just had this urge to do it. It was kind of a weird thing. I I'd, I'd thought about it my younger years, but I never saw a path. Uh, I decided to run. Maybe it was a God thing. I don't know. I went and talked to 50 people that I knew that I respected in, in the more area, and uh, they all said, "Go for it."
1: Yeah, and you first ran for office in 2012, and then started your first term in January 2013, which has almost been a decade ago. Correct. So, what kind of changes have you noticed in the state throughout you know the nine almost ten years that you've been a legislator?
4: Wow, it's you know, there's been a lot of changes as a Republican that that I thought wouldn't happen that have gay marriage was became law. Um, Then you've got the medical marijuana stuff. That's quite an interesting business. We're trying to fix part of the problems with it now. You know, we've had switch governors and uh, different attorney generals, three different ones that I've worked under. Uh, I've been under three different speakers uh, each one having their their own agendas or interests. So that's kind of some of my thoughts.
1: So as a graduate of Moore High School, uh, District 53 covers a lot of Moore. Was it an easy decision to sort of represent your hometown?
4: You know, it was. My family came to Moore probably somewhere in the 1930s, uh, both sides, of my family the ones that were from southwest Oklahoma and then some were from Texas they all came here my my grandmother and grandfather on one side they met in Oklahoma City he was a taxi driver and she worked at a at a little uh, restaurant downtown and and uh, they met there and married so we were kind of people knew who I was not that I was anything special my my father was a builder and a developer i had started my own business by then built some mm-hmm. uh, not really in more at the time but uh, had a roofing company for years i at six o'clock i was at the local diner uh, sunny side up having breakfast with some of the old timers that my parents went to school with and you know just things like that member of the chamber my father was a member of the chamber, just more's home to us.
1: Do you think all those community connections have really been essential in your role here at the Capitol now?
4: I think it has. Being a local guy, just a, I mean, and I'm just a hardworking guy like everybody else. I, I build a few houses, uh, done a little construct, you know, do construction stuff and, and I do it. I do, you know, it's not like I'm extremely wealthy man. I'm just working stiff.
1: Do you feel like being a tribal citizen sort of affects your goals or thinking at all as as a representative?
4: You know, I when I first came in, I mean, I was a proud tribal member, but didn't really get involved in anything. I read the the paper and glanced through it and stuff but but as i got up here i saw how much you know indian country plays into the affairs of oklahoma yeah i'm i'm very pro i'm a very pro indian tribal native american what whatever term you want to use yes
1: so your daughter Jimmy uh, Hodgkins is a foster parent for CPN's Fire Lodge and Family Services. Uh, you know how has her experience maybe changed your thoughts or actions toward foster care?
4: Totally changed it because you know nobody in my family had ever done anything like that that I know, and and uh, my daughter is a. Uh, very energetic, attractive young lady, gymnast, former gymnast, and her husband Greg. He's a uh, pilot on the uh, AWACS. And uh, when the two of them decided to start this process, I was really proud that that she reached out to the tribal adoption or Fire Lodge. Yeah, mm-hmm. children and I was really, services. I was really. Uh, impressed that they did that that they took that route to keep you know some of our our heritage within uh, tribal families i think that's that's really important because i know my daughter is very her whole family we like to talk about our heritage and things
1: as a state representative, what are maybe some goals or benchmarks that you'd like to see Oklahoma achieve over the next few years?
4: It's kind of funny. My my goal when I originally got elected was to be the chairman of Energy and Environment. And I was vice chair for several years. In 2018, I was uh, one of the ones that negotiated what they call 1010XX. It was the bill, the, the you know tax increase, gross production tax, and everything. I was totally against raising it, but I saw no way to move the state forward and to, to fill the deficit that we had. Then uh, I negotiated that with a couple of my uh, Democrat colleagues, which uh, we we're all very proud of it. It's what got the state out of the slump. But in doing that, I had always had a fairly good relationship with the education community. One of the, surprisingly, I did, and prior to 2018, the sentiment kind of was to not really uh, support education like it should be. And then we did the the teacher pay raise, and I had an individual, a couple individuals, matter of fact, come to me and say, you know, you need to be in appropriations. You need to get involved in education. You've got a a good rapport with the education community and blah, 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 you know, it went on and on. And finally I went to the speaker to, well, we had a dinner, me and him and two of our other friends one night. And I said, Mr. Speaker, uh, I don't want to be chair. So, so I was up to be chair of energy. I said I want to be the chairman of education appropriations, and they were like, "What do you want?" Well, it's been a really good fit. I've been able to to negotiate some decent uh, education budgets. We put more money into education in the last few years in in the state's history. I've got a scholarship deal that that I'm gonna. I'm sure that it will pass out of the Senate for uh, people wanting to go in the teaching profession and so many different things. But I just, uh, I guess I would want to leave, of course, I want to leave the state in a better place than I found it. There's two things, though. I want to leave education better than when I came in in 2012. And I wanted the Indian Cultural Center fixed. It had sat there. And not been known we got that done and i wanted to refurbish this building that we're setting in the state capitol so i've been here through this and the last thing that i've got on my list on that is jim thorpe the jim thorpe building has been neglected for multiple years and i know it's a it's another price tag it's 70 million dollars but but we've got we got to take care of our state assets and we can bond that, and which will have bonds falling off of the Capitol about the time that we could start that.
1: Why do you feel like the Jim Thorpe building, you know, putting some money into that is important?
4: Well, the building's one of the four original buildings there was the Capitol, the Governor's Mansion, the Supreme Court, and the Jim Thorpe building was built in 1938 well for one obviously jim thorpe you know it carries carries a native american's name you know but but other than that it's a it's a wonderful piece of architecture there's a lot of really interesting art deco inside the building
1: so you said you wanted to leave the state better than when you found it, and um, making education better is one of those ways to do that. What do you think are some major things that education in the state needs that you feel like to achieve would help that goal?
4: Number one is the one I'm working on this year is the Teacher Scholarship Fund. So it's it's available to anybody that works wants to go into the teaching profession, the scholarship is available. Basically, you're gonna get about, let's say $35,000 through the scholarship, but it's over an eight year period of time, eight to 10 years. So that is one thing because we need teachers in the state. We need teachers to be respected you know there's also retirement you know retired teachers i'd like them to come back in the classroom do something for them to encourage them to to come back and teach those are some of the things we need to we might need to take a different approach you know we keep looking at states like florida and arizona this is what they were doing when i came into office all these different models this uh The ESA, the vouchers, and all that, and I want this to be an Oklahoma model. Oklahoma's not Florida, and we're not Arizona. We're Oklahomans. We got thirty-nine tribes. We've got German immigrants. We've got Russians. We've got Irish. We've got this is a melting pot of people, and and different ideas and everything. Let's find a model that fits ours. I've actually been looking. Online at who's got the best education model in the world, and I came out of Finland. So I'm going to look kind of what are they doing? They have a they do have an interesting uh, deal they 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 do with with uh, teaching, and uh, maybe there's something. Maybe that's what we need to look at.
1: Are there any final thoughts you would like your constituents to know or tribal members?
4: If you don't have a chart with the clinic you know, people really need to get on that, take advantage of that. Even if you've got your own insurance, it's really, it's really not a bad thing to go and, uh, and, and get, get a chart, go every six months or whatever. And, and, uh, I was really impressed. I just, I've just done it in the last year. I mean, that was, I've never done it before. My father has for years, but, But I just did it this last year to see what it was like, and I was extremely impressed.
1: Well, thank you for your time today, Representative McBride. It's been great talking with you.
4: Well, it's been great visiting with you as well.
1: Find out more about his work in the Oklahoma House of Representatives at cpn.news backslash McBride. In mid-March, the Oklahoma Tribal Finance Consortium hosted tribal leaders and the public at the First Americans Museum in Oklahoma City to discuss findings from its most recent Oklahoma Native Economic Impact Study. Leaders from the Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Muskogee Nations, as well as the Wichita-affiliated tribes, all spoke to a packed room about the effect of their efforts and employees on their nations and larger communities in rural Oklahoma. Oklahoma Tribal Finance Consortium President Victor Flores began the event with an acknowledgement of the hardships of the last two years.
3: But today, we're gonna pause. We're gonna pause to celebrate something great, some positive news, which is the latest findings of the Oklahoma Native Economic Impact Study. Here in the crowd today in the front rows and here behind me, we have tribal leaders, dignitaries, and special guests. In fact, today we're all special guests. Why don't we give each other a round of applause? Thank you all for coming.
1: The study found that Native American tribes in Oklahoma have an economic impact that totals more than $15.5 billion, looking at data from 16 of the 38 federally recognized tribes in the state. That number considers revenue, employment and payroll data, health care, gaming, capital expenditure, charitable contributions, and more. Citizen Potawatomi Nation Chairman John Rocky Barrett attended the presentation and called the nearly $16 billion total a, quote, grossly understated
5: number. What magnifies that is the fact that uh, Oklahoma Indian tribes are all rural, and we can't leave, we can't move. Uh, So the dollars that are made in rural Oklahoma and what keeps the the rural economy alive in Oklahoma uh, The the impact of tribal uh, not only contributions and uh, the impact of tribal services and the impact of tribal payroll uh, is not just commerce. All of that into communities that can't afford to do that for themselves.
1: The report also outlined the effects the tribes have on employment in the state, providing more than 113,000 jobs to Oklahomans, both Native and non-Native. Oklahoma Tribal Finance Consortium Chairman Lancer Stevens discussed the critical factor job creation plays in making sustainable rural economies.
5: This report tells us that tribes are not only financially strong, but rank as one of the top employers of the state. These professions include our teachers, our our police officers, our first responders, our nurses, our doctors, our mechanics, basically every sector is represented by these jobs. Tribes are also making investments to directly improve people's lives, particularly in the areas of health care and education.
1: CPN Chairman Barrett believes providing jobs in a tribe's direct service area gives its citizens a chance to benefit from and serve their nation at the same time.
5: Without those qualities that, that uh, big corporations look for in, in bringing in their employees and without those qualities that allow us to keep our young people at at home, uh, rather than having them leave the reservation and go off and live somewhere else and miss out on their culture. That's what's important uh, to what's happening in Oklahoma, is that the the whole cultural life, the family life of American Indians and those non-Indians that are married to them or are part of that that family, practice. That, that's the real impact in Oklahoma, and, and that's almost inestimable.
1: One of the most impactful contributions by the 38 federally recognized tribes has been in health care, particularly in rural and underserved Oklahoma communities. Tribal health care operates more than 45 facilities, providing care in most locations to both Native American and non-Native Oklahomans. When health care is provided to Native Americans at tribal health facilities, the entire cost of care is paid by the federal government, resulting in savings to the state. In 2019, tribes paid $232 million in Medicaid expenditures, saving the state $86 million by requiring no state-matching funds. Muskogee Creek Nation Chief David Hill also noted his tribe's efforts to vaccinate rural Oklahoma against the coronavirus, something many tribes across the state participated in, including citizen Potawatomi Nation.
3: Our Department of Health provided testing and vaccination for any individuals. We have delivered more than 45,000 doses of the vaccine, partnering with school districts, churches, and community centers offering vaccines to both Natives and non-Natives.
1: Tribes across Oklahoma have also helped the state by providing a percentage of Class three gaming revenues through their gaming compacts, which goes toward the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services and public education funds. Of the more than $1.8 billion in exclusivity fees since 2006, more than $1.5 billion has been earmarked for public education, with Native Nations providing an additional $84 million to support local schools, municipalities, and other initiatives. President Terry Parton from the Wichita and Affiliated Tribes believes those numbers illustrate something bigger.
5: Tribes are the bedrock of commerce in several
1: rural areas in Oklahoma at a time when population is shifting to urban areas such as Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Tribes bring tribal government and tribal businesses to rural Oklahoma, injecting a massive amount of revenue into those communities. According to previous Oklahoma Native Economic Impact Studies, the total economic impact number rose from $12.9 billion to nearly $15.6 billion in just two years. Chickasaw Nation Treasurer Dakota Cole sees a bright future for Native tribes in the state as these studies continue.
2: I don't like to speculate as a treasurer, but if I could, I would speculate that that economic impact has grown even more through fiscal year 21 and, and now into fiscal year 22.
1: See the full 2019 Oklahoma Native Economic Impact Report at oknativeimpact.com. It's time for Learning Language when the CPN Language Department joins us to teach vocabulary, songs, stories, and more. In this segment, Department Director Justin Neely goes over some words that are useful for powwows.
5: We're
0: going to share with you some uh, some festival words or some powwow type words uh, as we're coming into the summer. Um, you may have some different powwows that you can go to in events and then obviously here in Oklahoma, the last Saturday in June will be our annual festival and we all hope we hope that you guys can make it down for that. But we have some uh, some words for you today that are some words that you might uh, hear at a powwow or some words that you might want to uh, use uh, at a dance. Mejgode Mejgode is a skirt. Medjgode, and most women that come in, uh, they'll come in dancing, will be wearing like some kind of whether it be with applique or a jingle dress skirt, you know. But medjgode skirt. Nimedi nimedi means is the verb to dance, nimedi. That means he or she is dancing, nimedi. Zinba biskawagen. Zinba biskawagen is a ribbon shirt. Zinba biskawagen. That zinba part is the ribbon, and then biskawagen is the shirt itself. And people will do different things with their ribbon shirts. Some people will use the directional colors, on the ribbon shirts uh on the ribbons themselves being like east being yellow south being red west being uh, black and north being white other people will use like their year of birth to for their ribbon shirts some people will do like firstborn, born third born fifth born or blue and seventh born and then second fourth sixth or red some people will do that so it's really a very uh, self-expressive type way of how you want to do your ribbon shirts uh, and then moshwe, moshwe is a shawl, moshwe. And usually when uh, a woman comes into the arena, they'll, they'll always have like a shawl with them as they come in, moshwe. Gumwen, gumwen is a song, gumwen. Dewegen, dewegen is a drum, dewegin. And that drum, that de is the heart. That way is a sound. That gin means a thing. So what it literally means is the sound of that heartbeat. And you'll hear a lot of Native people talk about the drum as kind of being like the heartbeat of Native America. And in our language, it literally does mean the sound of that heartbeat, Dewegan. Dewegejuk, our drummers. Dewegejuk, our drummers. Bodewad Bodewadmimwen is Potawami language. Bodewadmimwen. Makuznin. Makuznin are moccasins. Makuznin. Now, just one moccasin is Makuznin cousin is one moccasin, m'kussen moccasins plural. Uh, we Doktadwin. we doktadwin is community. We doctadwin. It's literally talking about kind of how we all get along and, and work together, kind of for a common common goal, if you will. We doctadwin. So for the word for family, there's a couple different ways you can mention, you can say family. You can say mizodonic mizodonic for family. You can also say dewe maganuk dewe maganuk. And it's talking about making a similar sound. Those of us, it's like all of our relations that make a similar sound. And also you can say jaganaganan for all of our relations, jaganaganan. But when you use jaganaganan, you're also including everyone. You're saying, you know, the trees, the birds, the plants, all of our relations. The same with dewe Magnak, all my relations, all of them. And then mizodana can just be your family in general. Mejinagewin, mejinagewin is a contest. Mejinage is the verb to compete. Mejinage. Mejinage, when a contest. Minadindan. Minadindan is honor. Minadindan. Wudetanmoen. Wudetanmoen is respect. Wudetanmoen. It's one of those Noak Mishom those seven grandfathers. Wudetanmoen. Mindokazwin. Mindokazwin is a ceremony. And it can be any type of ceremony. Um, it could be a, a naming ceremony, it could be a, um, a mourning ceremony, water ceremony, any type of traditional ceremony, a sweat lodge, a mendel caswin. Wow, yeah, Wao ye yeah, yawen. Wao ye yawen means the circle, wow ye yeah, you could use this when addressing like talking about the arena itself, you know. When we go into the into the circle, Wao wow, yeah, Yawin we always come in from the east. You know, the sun rises in the east. And it's the same when we go into ceremony, too. We always enter from the east. And they will always go um, clockwise around around the arena. Or if there was a fire, if we were having a ceremony, we would go same way, clockwise around it. So, yawin circle. Nimadewin, Nemedewen is a dance or a powwow. Nemedewen. And it comes from that verb, Nimedi, which is the verb to dance. It's just a dance would be a nemedewen. Kenomigwen. Kanomigwin is an eagle feather. Kanomigwin, and they say that that eagle feather, like if eagle feather drops, it represents like a fallen warrior. And a lot of times, if an eagle feather drops at a uh, at an event, they'll they'll stop the event and they'll have you know four veterans come over and and pick that feather up because again, it represents like a fallen comrade. And then they'll kind of smudge it off and they'll either give it back to that to that dancer or they'll have that dancer uh, give it away. Someone in the crowd, uh, another veteran, perhaps. So that's that Kenomiquin and that that eagle, those eagle feathers, they're so important because of how the eagle carries our prayers up to the Creator, and how the eagle saved the world from being destroyed uh, when when man was not living a good way by kind of looking out after us and has that great vision that can see far in the distance. So, but Kenomiquin is an eagle feather, and the word feather itself is an animate word. Um, you wouldn't necessarily think that, uh, maybe in English, but it's actually animate in Potawatomi. Now, veteran or warrior, there's a couple different words we have for uh, veterans. Gete shamaganeshik gete shimaganeshik, is a one word we use for veterans. Shimaganeshi is like a soldier. Uh, shamaganeshik would be plural of that. Gete Shema you know, veterans. That gete part kind of means like real or true, kind of like true or or old, kind of like old school uh, soldier, if you will, for a veteran, gete, shemagane, shik. And then another word that we use for warriors, ogichida, and when we say it plurally, it's ogichidak, ogichidak, warriors, ogichidak. Shkode, shkode is the fire, shkode. Sometimes, you know, if, if you're putting down tobacco in the fire, we'll sometimes refer to the fire spirit itself, which is shkodansi. Shkodansi is that fire spirit versus, versus just the fire itself. But fire is very important to our people. You know, we're the people that make fire. We're the ones that was a central part of what we do. It's a central part of most of our ceremonies, that fire. So we're always very respectful of the fire and what you do around it. And you don't throw garbage in the fire and you don't spit in the fire and... And if things like that happen, a lot of times what someone traditionally would do would just put that fire out and move it somewhere else. And so we're very respectful of that fire. And then a lot of times there should be a fire going. Usually for the time that we have the the festival, there's usually a fire going. And a lot of times Tim Zintec, our firekeeper, kind of keeps an eye to make sure the fire is is, is running. And there's usually some, some sema or tobacco and a little bit of kishke or cedar down there in a bowl kind of near that fire where people can go down and take some some cedar and some tobacco and offer it to that fire. And again, when you put that same uh, into that fire and that smoke rising up, it's kind of a, a visible manifestation of your prayers going up. And that cedar, a lot of times, is supposed to kind of get the attention of the spirits or the spirit. When you put that in the fire, it has that crackling sound. Mijatsowan, mijatsowan is a word for regalia. Mijatsowan, Mijatso means to be dressed up fancy. And we're talking about dressed up fancy, we're usually talking about wearing our traditional our garb, you know, whether it be a, a ribbon shirt or whether it be a, a vest or maybe our moccasins. So mijatsoen is regalia. And again, mijatso is kind of dressed up fancy. Kowewen, gumwen, is a flag song. Kowewen, gumwen. The flag song is kind of like our national anthem. It's our song for our eagle staff. It's for our nation's flag, our Kowewen, gumwen. And whenever that plays, usually it'll happen during grand entry, like they'll have the grand entry song, everybody gets in the arena, then they'll have that song just for the flag. I mean, and everyone kind of stays still, maybe they dance in place, but it's mainly just for that flag, that kowei one, gum one. Nawado means dancing good or dancing hard, nawado. And then nimedik is telling everyone to dance, nimedik, so you said jayak nimadik, you'd be saying everyone, everyone dance, jayak nimadik, or just nimadik, nimadik. And that's it. A few uh, powwow terminologies that you can use for the festival or for other dances that you might go to over the summer. Uh Ah-ha,
1: For more information and opportunities with language, including self-paced classes, visit cpn.news backslash language. You can find an online dictionary at potawatomiedictionary.com, as well as videos on YouTube. There are also Potawatomi courses on the language learning app, Memrise. Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Our director is Jennifer Bell. Please share the show with your friends and family members. You can find CPN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potawatomi. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the Tribal Newspaper at potawatomi.org. That's P-O-T-A-W-A-T-O-M-I dot org. Miigwech Thank you friends, see you later.